0: You're listening to RiverCast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. We're in the middle of a series uh, in First John, looking at uh, the kind of things that, that God works in our lives as his children, and John tells us that he wrote his, his um, letter to for those who know Jesus to know that they know that they know, okay? And he gives us some different tests along the way. We're gonna be, this morning, we're gonna be looking at the third test that he gives us, and it's really the test of what you love. You know, there's only three real options in the world. We either love God and love people, or we love the world around us. And we're gonna see this morning that God says, don't love the world around us. I woke up this morning, I think it was maybe Thursday morning, I don't remember, the time's kinda gotten away from me, but. Uh, My son had hit a deer the night before, and uh, two weeks of damage put us down a car. My microwave had been down for a few days. The dishwasher was out. Um, The well had gone dry overnight, and because the boiler was, there was something wrong with the boiler, it was leaking water, so we had to get the boiler fixed. And it seems like there was another thing along the way. And, you know, to be really honest with you, even five years ago, I'd have just been like, what in the world, you know? This is crazy now, it's just like, okay, God, I guess we're just gonna, you know, walk forward one step at a time. So, needless to say, I had a honey-do list yesterday, all right, uh, maybe, not, maybe not so much my honey, but, you know, uh, self-imposed, and so I, I dug into the microwave, you know, I'm like, okay, we can find a new one for 200 bucks, and I thought, well, let me take a peek at it. And uh, I pulled out my, uh, my meter and kind of checked a couple of things. And uh, I know way more about microwaves I never knew that I never knew. Did you know you're supposed to stop a microwave before you open the door? How many of you knew that? Don't do that. Like, oh, stop it before you open it because there's a bunch of switches in there that uh, tell the microwave to stop working because those switches, if, they, if your microwave runs and the door's not closed, it's not good for your health, generally, you know? So, uh, so you really are relying on an emergency backup whenever you open the door and it's running. So, anyway, one of those switches was bad. Long story short, I managed to fix it for free, which is pretty cool, you know, like 200 bucks. I even went afterwards. I'm like, hey, honey. You know, this was a couple hours. I made like 100 bucks an hour. I think after this, I ought to get paid. Like, can I get 200 bucks to go do something? And that didn't really go over well. I think she probably thought, yeah, the microwave's been down a week. You owe me money, not the other way around. It's really what was going on in her mind. She didn't say that, but I think that's what was happening. You know, pulling out that little meter, I could kind of test each switch. One of the switches was bad and figure out what was going on. And uh, in the end, I just needed to clean it up and play with it a little bit and we're back in business. John, First John is like that. John has given us several tests that we can objectively examine in our life and we can even use if, if we're careful in, in discerning in other people's lives to get a sense of where we are spiritually before God. The first test that we looked at was a, a test of light and darkness, really a test of sin. God you know, t- said in 1 John, he said, hey, if anyone says that they have fellowship with the Father, but yet they're living in darkness and sin, they're not, they're lying. The truth's not in them because God is light, living in the light. They're, if they're, it's a test of sin, really. It's looking at your life, and if, as you examine your life holistically over time, just you are, your life is given to those things of darkness. You really don't know Jesus, no matter how much faith you say you have or how often you've been to church. The second test, is kind of the, uh, the similar to that, but looking at it oppositely, it was a test of obedience. And the Bible says if if we are not obeying God's commandments wholesale across the board, then We don't know him and the truth isn't in us. And look at this, this is not talking about one sin. I wanna make sure we don't walk out here like, oh my goodness, I had one thing I did yesterday. Well, truth be known, you had 10 things you probably did yesterday, but this is not, this is like looking at your whole life. You don't go into the doctor and the doctor's check, you know, examining you and, so tell me about your exercise. You're like, oh, I exercise regularly. And under your breath, you're like, since yesterday, you know, like, you went out running like yesterday, you know, tell me about how you're eating. Well, you know, since last week, I've been doing pretty good. This is over your whole life. Okay. The third test that John gives us this morning is to examine our life. And what do we what do we really love? What is really most valuable? Where are we investing? Where are we committing? Where are we sacrificing? And John tells us that if any of us love the world around us, then the love of God is truly not in our hearts. So look with me, and we're going to look at just two or three little verses this morning. 1 John chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 15 and verse 17. So if you have your Bibles or open your phone, and if you don't, you can feel free to look on the screen. But John tells us to not love the world. Look what the Bible says in verse 15 of 1 John chapter 2. This isn't the gospel of John. This is the little letter toward the back, like go to Revelation and hang a left, just maybe like three or four little dinky books, you know. 1 John chapter 2, Bible says this, do not love the world or the things in the world, literally just whatever's in the world. Here's why. If anyone Equal opportunity employer. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how much of a nice person you are. Doesn't matter your background, who you're related to, what church you belong to, what you've done. None of that matters. If anyone loves the world, big ramification, the love of the Father is not in him. Point blank, no exceptions. And he goes on to explain it. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh... That would be our, our physical bodies, our cravings, you know, whether it's sleep or, or uh, all of those, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride and possessions, The not just possessions, but the achievements, things that we accomplish in life. This is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And here's even worse than that. And the world is literally passing away right now, slipping through our fingers, if you will. It's passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Pray with me, would you? Father, we are grateful to be here this morning. Thank you for loving us, caring for us. Thank you for the truths of these words. Father, I pray that they would impact our heart and our soul. You have told us in your word to be careful with our heart, to be careful with what's on the inside, because out of that we talk Out of that we live, it's really who we are. And so Father, I pray that you would help us to examine the things that sometimes are hidden even to us. And Father, would you bring them to light into our mind, into our consciousness. Those this morning, Father, that need encouragement, I pray that they would find this today. Those that need to be challenged or convicted, I pray that your spirit would do exactly that. Those that need clarity, I pray, Father, that your truth would speak into our hearts to each and every single person the way that we need today. I pray this for your glory in the name of your powerful son, Jesus. Amen. So John gives us a stiff warning, very simple. He tells us not to love the world. What, is, what does that mean to love the world around us? We, we live in the world. We we can't truly be separated from the world. If we went back in time and studied all the different religions of the world, every one of them, for the most part, has tried to have their little thing, the way that they can escape the world. Um, You know, whether it's meditation coming out of the Hindu background and trying to blink your mind out and, and remove yourself from the world. Uh, to even the monks and going back into Christianity and its version you know, there was a time people would say well let's let's remove ourselves from the world and live inside of a, a monastery and let's remove ourselves from all the temptations and all the things and kind of isolate ourselves and, and John tells us this morning that all of us not, all of us are to not love the world he says don't do it be careful be careful not to do that So what does that really mean? I want us to recognize, first off, that there's two kind of kingdoms in the, in the world, if you will. I'm going to use that word a little bit differently. Two kind of kingdoms in the universe, if you will. There's, there's God's working, and there's the world's working. Look at, at John chapter 15, and look at, at verse, uh, verse 19, I believe it is. John 15, 19. It should be on the screen here in a minute. But if you look at that, I'll just read it there. It'll be a little easier for me. Look what the Bible says. Jesus is talking here in the Gospel of John. He says, if you were of the world, he's talking to his disciples, people that are following him. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. It would receive you, accept you, take you in as, as a part of it. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus says, guys, there's two completely different things going on here. You're either a part of the world system, a part of all that it has to offer. And if you were there, the world would love you and take you as one of it. You'd be wearing its teen jersey, if you will. But truth of the matter is, is Jesus says, I've chosen you. I've pulled you up and out of that world. You're, you're different because you are my follower. God himself is not of this world. And and Jesus is telling us that when he saves us and forgives us of our sins, we're no longer in this world. And here's the, the tension, if you will, look at what 1 John says, and we'll look at this verse in a few weeks, but the Bible says this, we know that we're from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. You see, the world around us is under the sway and influence under the authority of the enemy, the sworn enemy of God, known as many things, the father of lies, Lucifer, Satan. He runs and rules everything in the world around us. We shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised when we live in a state that that passes laws that allows a person to have an abortion all the way up through to birth and even after that. I have to tell you I grieve as a as a pastor at the the men and women who believe that lie. I grieve for them. Um, I, I I grieve. I, I've talked to a number of people over the years both women and their spouses or their boyfriends and I know there's people in the world that um, that would say they're glad they did it would claim that they had no you know, suffered nothing on the back end. But I got to tell you, there's all the people I've ever talked to, there's tremendous guilt and regret. Because God has put life inside of us. And there's nothing like inside a woman's life to just everything within her physically, biologically, emotionally, mentally, is to produce life. And the the shame and the sorrow in that. So I want to hit that topic just briefly for a second and say, guys, that's one of the things that Jesus died for, that through Hidden dying on the cross, we can be forgiven. And that shame and that uh, wrong and all of that can be removed. And if that's something that you've experienced and you've never been able to work through in your life, I'd encourage you to talk to somebody, whether it's a counselor, a wise, godly woman or man, but to process and walk through that. But I say that to say this. We shouldn't be surprised. You see, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the whole world system lies under his sway. But it's not just in extreme things, whether it be politics. It's in, in, in everything around us is under his authority, under his control. It's, it's a systemic, kind of thing. there's either you either know Christ truly in your life and you're following God or you don't. In every area of our life, whether it's entertainment, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, whether it's business, commerce, um, hobbies, activities, education, everything falls under that kingdom. And we see the results of it all the time. So John tells us, guys, if you love the world around us, any slice of that and all of that, and that's your priority, then something's missing because God's love is not inside of you. And you, in turn, are not loving God. The love of the Father, you know, is really, it's both of those. It's the Father's love for you, and it's your love, in turn, reciprocated back to the Father. That's not a part of your life. So examine your life. Is, is God the first and highest priority? Or do you have in your heart a love for the things around you? That's the idea of, of genuine love as a sacrifice. I love the video that we watched um, I like the, the, I don't know if they were dating, whatever, but you see the guy ready to stab the cake. You see that and it kind of slides away and uh, his wife or girlfriend's there, you know, kind of getting her piece. That was funny to me. Or the dad loving, you know, handing the keys over like, yeah, I'm glad to give it to you, son. Oh, my goodness. What did I just do? You know, that's what love truly is. Isn't it a sacrifice? You're willing to kind of lay it on the line for the people around you. So when the Bible tells us that the things in this world around us, much of it and most of it is not inherently evil, um, unless most of you would say you're a Patriots fan, then you're Sean, there is something right wrong with you if that's where you are most, but most things in this world are not evil. So the problem is not just that it's in the world, but it's our relationship And do we love and make that as our priority? Do we live for that? Is that where we find our identity? Is that what we're living for? Is that what we're valuing the most? Is that when we don't get something that we want, that we come apart at the seams and are so distraught that we don't know how to carry on in life? Is that what we're willing to sacrifice all things for? You see that what you were willing to sacrifice, where you're willing to put your money, where you're willing to put your time, those are the things that are your priorities. Those are the reasons that, that you are living and working. And so John is calling us out. He's like, guys, examine where you are in life. Do you love God or do you really love that stuff around you? Now, what, is this, what does this look like? He tells us, and he digs in a little bit deeper. He unpacks it, he says, for all that's in the world, and he tells us about three things. Desire of the flesh, desire of the eyes, and the, the pride of possessions. Three, maybe if you're going for ice cream. Anybody here like ice cream? All right. See these as like three different flavors that you can get, you know? Some of you are like chocolate, chocolate, and more chocolate. Like the death by chocolate is your kind of thing. Yeah, okay. We, we Michaela, we... <laughs> I'm resonate with you on that one. I'm a chocolate guy too. But these are three flavors that the world offers to us that are irresistible. The first is the desire of our our physical cravings. The things that feel good to us physically. There's nothing wrong with any of them. But all of them, if they become our priority and our focus and use in the wrong way, then we got issues. Sleep is a wonderful thing. Can I get a witness? Everybody liking sleep? I love it when I sleep well, and I hate it when I don't sleep well. But if that all of a sudden becomes a priority and a focus to the point that we become lazy, that's a real problem. It's, there's a word the Bible calls for that. It's called sin. There's, food is wonderful, but when we eat too much of it, it becomes gluttony. Drink is wonderful, but when we're drinking and it's involving intoxication, and I don't care if you like the taste or not, like you've got a problem. When we our sexual relations, something part that God put in us meant to be wonderful, but used in the wrong way and run them up in the wrong direction, it's destructive. So the Bible tells us, yeah, our physical world has lots of offerings around us. So be careful, he says, with the lust, the desires that your, your body has. Be careful of the desires that your eyes have. There's a reason when you go to the mall, um, the, uh, to a store. You know, I, if I, I am on a seek and destroy mission if I'm going shopping, all right? I even shop online that way. I don't know, I've not done any reading. None of you have talked to me. I don't know if you're online just looking at all kinds of stuff. Amazon does that a little bit like if I go to Amazon I don't care what's below the little line that I can search for but they load up all kinds of stuff and oh, we're gonna recommend this for you, Sean, and all that, like I'm gonna sit around for the next hour and just look at pages of stuff, and that's insane. But stores in the, will do that too. You, I just want a nice, wide, clear path so I can get where I'm going, get my thing, get the, clean, the, the most empty line, checkout line that I can get so I can get to my car as fast as I can so I can get out of there. You with me on that one? But they know just what Amazon knows and just what all the store owners know. If we put some nice things along the way, you might see something they want that you want. And if you've got your kids with you, Mom, oh, you really love the checkout aisles with all the candy and the gum and the toys and the gadgets and all of that stuff. You know, they're, they're there for a reason. They're there because the desire of your eyes. Mommy, I want that, you know. We all have that. And John says, be careful. The eyes and the world around you will absolutely attract you. And he tells us not to put our priority, our heart's desire, our focus on all of that stuff. Don't do it. He says, categorically, don't even do it a little bit. And then the third one, he says the, the pride and Possessions. I love, I grew up reading the old King James and uh, I get most of it, but half of it I still don't, even to this day. And the, the old King James would say the pride of life and it's that possessions is kind of hard to, it's more than just possessions. I like what the New Living Translation says. I think it's, uh, trans, uh, I think it says possessions and achievements or accomplishments. It's, it's kind of, it's like not just things you own, But it's things that you can do and things that can happen in the world around you. Uh, I was, I think I was in the eighth grade and I was in a science fair. Okay, I think everybody in our school, do they still do science fairs? Is that still a thing in schools? Some of you are shaking your head, some of you know. So I was really, I still am really a bit of a a nerd, a nature nerd, most of you guys know that. And so my little science fair project was, eighth grade was, I did an observation of birds, all right, and had my little notebook and I recorded them. And my hobby, believe it or not, was feeding birds in my backyard. I know that's pretty lame, it is, but that's what I did and I just, anyway. Did you know? And I, I went to a school that was middle school and high school all together. And I, in the eighth grade, I got first place over everybody, all the senior high, all the junior high. I went to the regional science fair. Like, I guess it was a bunch of schools. I got first place there. Like, I was going on to the state. And I guess it was a big deal, you know, for an eighth grader anyway. You know, I don't know what accomplishments that you've come up with in life and what you've done. But what the Bible's telling us, if we're not careful we begin to sacrifice for our successes and our achievements in life, and he says if we love that and if that becomes our highest goal, then we don't know Jesus and his love isn't in our heart. I think it's easy enough for us to get the desiring stuff and wanting things, but we are driven as a people to do well in this world, to accomplish, to get ahead, to financially this, to push our kids to achieve and do all of that. And John says, guys, if that's your real priority in life, if that really is what you love, then categorically, you don't have a love of God living inside of you. He says, watch out. These things, guys, ought to cause us to stop a little bit and examine. The issue is, is what priorities should we put on things? The issue isn't do you own a home or not. The issue isn't should I have a microwave or not. I my wife didn't even begin to think about that one. You know, just like of course we need a microwave. Be I mean, honest with I want one too. It's just amazing how difficult life is when you can't heat something up fast. The issue isn't what do you have, what you do. The solution is not removing yourself from a world, selling everything, wearing a robe and living, you know, in a in a a room with just a little cot on the floor and a table the rest of your life. The issue isn't well, if I'm not supposed to love achievements, I'm not going to try to do anything and I'm just not going to put my kids in school and we're just going to be bums and not do anything. That's not the solution, right? We all get that. So what is the solution? The solution is is where's your heart? Where is your priority? Are you Are you living in this world in order to bring glory for God? Are you living in this world as a reflection out of a devotion for him? Or is really your priority just to live your life in this world? You see, God wants to save us out of this world. Think about it this way. When we read that verse a minute ago in John 15, Jesus says, I've chosen you out of this world. It makes no sense for us as Christians to begin to live our life loving this world because Jesus is like, I pulled you out of this cesspool. What are you doing? Putting your heart's desire in that. Look, I gave you, I've given you everything. I have saved you out of that. You turned away from your sins. I don't want you going back to that. Don't go back to that. So our heart should be completely, we ought to live in this world knowing that we're swimming around every day in a world filled with dysfunction, filled with all kinds of landmines and pitfalls that attract us and catch us. It's what the enemy used with Eve. If you go back and read the book of Genesis or the chapter three where Adam and Eve sin, the Bible says she was tempted with all three of these things. Satan presented her with a fruit. Most, I can't believe it was an apple. I think there was a one of a kind tree and that was it. But he showed her a fruit, and the Bible says when she saw that it was good for food, in other words, it would be good for her physical appetite, saw that it was beautiful to look at, it was pleasing, and saw that it would make her wise, in other words, give her that achievement and accomplishment of life, the desires of her body, the desires of her eyes, and desires of accomplishing and having in life, the Bible says that she took it. She fell for the world. You know what Satan did when he tempted Jesus? He doesn't have 10 and 20 plays in his book. He's only got three really guys. He did it with Eve and it was the trifecta. She fell for it. Satan tried the exact same thing with Jesus. He was fasting in the desert as he started off his ministry for 40 days as he was without food. And the enemy said, hey, here's some rocks. You can turn them to some food right now. Tempted him with the desires of the physical appetite. And he resisted it and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the enemy said, all right, big boy, let's go on top of a cliff. And if you think you're hot stuff, why don't you throw yourself off this cliff? Because, you know, the Bible says the angels are going to take care of you. And the enemy began to quote scripture. He twisted it. Just because somebody uses a Bible, by the way, guys, doesn't mean they're right. (laughs) The enemy knows how to use the Bible better than most of us. And Jesus said, no way. You're not to tempt the Lord your God. He was tempting him with the, the, the pride, the achievement, the accomplishment to be somebody and prove something. And Jesus resisted it. And then the enemy said, all right, I'm gonna take you up. And he took him up and he showed him all the world around him, the lust of the eyes, the desire of the eyes. If you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give all of this to you. By the way, could he have done that? The answer to that is no, because he didn't know and it wasn't his to give. <laughs> You know, if I go to your house when you've got a car and I go to my kid, oh, if you just come do this for me, I'll give you that car. You're like, what? It's my car. You can't have it. I'm like, I know, but I still got him to do what I wanted to do, right? That's all the enemy was trying to do with Jesus. He tempts us, guys, with all three of those. And you and I get tempted every single day. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we fall. And then at other times we're not. But it gets wearisome. And the Bible says that we have to categorically love God and not the junk around us. Third thing I want you to notice, we're not to love the world. It's an enticing world in which we live, but look at the results of it, and then I'll I'll talk briefly about the implications. Look what happens when we love the world, and the world is passing away, not will pass away, but is passing away. It's fading right in front of our eyes. That was a loud noise. Uh, And away, and along with its desires, what do you feel when something that's important to you falls apart or breaks or begins to slip through your fingers? That's painful, isn't it? Whether it's a relationship, whether it's a car, whether it's your house, it's difficult. You see, the world around us is really deeply broken. And everybody knows it. And most people are trying to find the fix and the solution in their own way, doing the best they know how to do. But really the only thing that makes sense in this world and brings solutions to us really is Jesus. But all of us at one point or another in our life, and some of you may be there now, I don't know, but all of us have pinned our hope on the things that this world has to offer. And the sad part of it is, is it's literally slipping through our fingers right underneath us. There's nothing in this world that you can hold on to that doesn't, that that doesn't happen. And so we're always trying to grab for more to overcome and get and hold. And it's destructive to our soul. It's ineffective. It's frustrating. It, it's a mess. But the good news is. When you really have surrendered your life to Jesus, and God's love is genuinely inside of you, and he is your greatest love, the alternative is phenomenal. He says, whoever, it doesn't matter who you are, but if you do the will of God, in other words, if you are following me, and, I'll, and the results of that's gonna happen, that you're living a life consistently, as a fruit of that, you will abide forever. There's a stability and a strength in that. Nothing will blow you away. Nothing will take that away from you. There's a lasting, incredible hope in that. You know, there's all kinds of things that pop up into our lives that make us feel vulnerable. Are we gonna make it? Are we not? Do we have hope? I don't even mean just make it physically, but just And the Bible says, whatever you are facing in life, if your hope is in Jesus and God is your greatest good, you will endure, be sustained, make it, abide forever. You're choosing something that's lasting, that's of value, not just in heaven, but is now on this earth in your life. So there's all kinds of reasons for you and for me to stop in our tracks and say, wow, I really either need to love God or I'm stuck in all of this around us. Two huge implications. I'll share them quickly and we're done. Two big ones. First one. What this means is if you have never surrendered your life to Christ, what God is looking for you to do is to say literally not just no to your own sins, but literally to say no to the whole world around you that I'm looking for something that's way better than this. There's not enough money in Fort Knox. There's not enough accomplishments in this world. There's not enough fame and fortune. I could be the most popular person in the world. My my social media could blow up. I could have my own YouTube channel and I could have my own reality TV channel. It's not enough. I'm cashing in everything this world has to offer and I want you Jesus. That's what it means to surrender your life to Christ. It's, you're returning away from your sins, and you're saying, I got two choices. I can either hold on to a world around me with all this stuff that's literally falling apart, and I'll never be able to hold on to, or I can hold on to something that lasts, that satisfies. Someone who actually loves me and died for me, and paid the sin debt that I owe so that I can live and abide forever. I'll do that deal. So some of you this morning, I challenge you to step forward. It's a very simple step. It's not an easy step, but it's not, it's not complicated. You need to say no to the world and you need to say yes to God. Some of you have, have followed God in some ways or you have gone to church and believed in God But what you've done is more like added God to your world, rather than leaving this world and gone into God's world. See, that's what faith is like for so many people. I believe in God, of course, I believe that Jesus died. And what they're doing is they're living in the world around them. And they just say, well, I want God to just take care of me in this world. And God's like, what are you doing? This isn't for you, I'm gonna take you out of this stuff. So if that's been you in your past where you just have believed in God, but you really have continued to put your highest value and live to make your way into this world, Bible says you really don't know Christ. You really aren't saved. Your sins aren't forgiven because you're loving the world. You just have added God into your world. God says, no, I wanna take you out of this world. So my challenge to you is to say no to all of that and to say once for all God, I want Jesus to be in charge of me. I, don't, I, I want to do like what Paul said. I count everything that I've done in life, my little science here projects when I was in the eighth grade, the money that I've made, the respect I have from other people, the accomplishments that I have, my skills, my knowledge, God, all my sin, I lay all that aside. I want Jesus to be in charge of my life. So I, I challenge you and urge you to surrender your life to Jesus if you never really have. Take that test. If your spiritual life and your life isn't working the way you think, look at that test and see if that one needs to be addressed in you. Second implication is, if you do know Jesus, he calls us to live with him as the highest good and to not love the world around us. We haven't talked a lot about the world, if you will, as a church in the last few years. I've not. I I preached through a lot of books in the Bible and we do here as a team. and, And probably we've just picked a lot of books that hasn't popped up a lot. But the Bible warns us that we are not to make this world, we're not to kind of revert back and even buy into the world systems around us. We're not to make those as the highest good around us. We're not to live as worldly Christians. And I'll tell you this, guys, it begins to creep in on you. It's not like people are truly following Jesus and then one day they just say, ah, I'm just going to stop that and I'm going to live myself for the world. It doesn't work that way. It works more like the mold in your refrigerator, that you're going along and everything seems okay and you haven't cleaned it in a while, you know. And then one day you're like, oh, what's that? Oh, that's a little something there and you're too lazy and too busy or whatever to clean it and the next day it's a little more and then finally one day you've got like a full-blown just like, what in the world? This is gross! And you like stop everything and it becomes a crisis, right? That's the way worldliness creeps into our life as followers of Jesus. You don't notice it at first. It sneaks in on you, even doing good things, even serving God. I've had to be careful and I will still have to be careful even as a pastor to not make this stuff what's most important to me. You know, I wanna be a good pastor, I wanna teach well, I wanna preach well, I wanna encourage people, I want God to do great things in our church. And if I'm not careful, I pin my hope on that and not Jesus. And the moment I've done that one little step, the mold has started to grow and I've already become I've become a moldy Christian, if you will. So I want to challenge you this morning to examine your heart and your motives. God tells us to be careful with our motives. The issue isn't how much money we make. The issue isn't what we accomplish in life, what we're good at. The issue is, is why are we doing what we're doing? Are we doing it for our own good and our own use and benefit? Are we doing it truly as a reflection of a worship and praise to a holy God is in heaven? And are we living our life in such a way that he owns it all? In other words, are we willing for God to take some of that stuff away and say it's okay? Are we willing to live in a way that we live simply for him? I like what one person said, living for an audience of one. There's only one person in the world that we need to one person that we need to please, just one, just one. Not lots of people, not even ourselves, but one. So this morning, I want you to do kind of a little heart check, ask God if you would, if you haven't examined your motives in your heart lately, When our, as our team comes up here and we're gonna sing, and I'm gonna pray, while I'm praying, I just want you, if you've not looked at your heart lately, say, God, would you examine me? King David said search me o god and know my heart try me know my ways and see if there be anything in me that doesn't that's dishonoring to you and if you sense that you've been living in a way that's dishonoring to god now's the first step to start cleaning that mold out of the refrigerator throwing that old cheese out <laughs> getting rid of that stuff, but allowing God to work in your heart. So as I pray, won't you stand? And Our team is going to lead us in a couple of songs just to help us to reflect and think and pray, to respond to what God is speaking to you through this message, through the singing of the words. But pray with me, would you? Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Father, forgive us when we choose to follow the things in this world around us. Lord, we are to truly live in this world. In fact, you don't want to take us out of the, all of us out of this world. You want us to live in this world in a way that reflects your light to others. But Lord, we're tempted regularly by the desires of our own bodies, by the things that we see and crave, and by the owning and the accomplishments and the accolades of this life. Lord, may we. Throw all of that away, and may we, may we daily simply say, you are enough. Lord, I, I call us as a church to that point. Would you speak into our hearts in this response time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.